I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Jennings Smith. Jennings is the CEO of My First Million in Multifamily, co-creator of co- and coaching and mentor program, The Deal Room, and the host of Unlock Your Life podcast. So um, Jennings, first I just want to say thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for taking out the time. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, Jason. No, thanks for thanks for the invite. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's uh, your bio is is extremely impressive. Um, I don't want to read it off. I want to let you kind of tell the listeners your story, kind of let us know how you got started and and um, what brought you to where you are today. Today. Yeah, sure. So I started off uh, as a contractor. Um, I, I, I finished high school and I worked for a year for a construction company for 10 bucks an hour. And I mean, we did it all. We were digging the foundation, framing, siding, roofing. Um, their model was do everything themselves as cheaply as possible. Don't sub anything out. So I, I did get to learn a lot of the trades um, and a lot of the how a house is built. And I'd always been mechanically minded. And so my dad kind of encouraged me to to go into construction. Um, but I, I I worked for a year and I realized, man, I'm not ready to work 60 hours a week for $10 an hour uh, quite yet. So I, I did end up going to college. And uh, but then in the summers, I would come home and build uh, I built a rental home for my dad. So my dad had gotten uh, into the retirement game very, very late. Uh, he had kind of worked his whole life. Um, he sold fish and frozen foods door to door. So he knew the grit of what it took with sales, but he realized, wow, I, I don't have much net worth to fall back on. And so in his, I think, mid to late 40s, he started to to buy uh, rental homes. And so we were building these little rental homes and so for 90 days, I mean, I was working 16 hours a day building these rental homes. And then at the end of the summer, uh, you know, my dad closed it, refinanced it, and he and he gave me a check for, uh, I think, $9,000. And he paid me like $10 an hour to build this house, and, uh, and I got a bonus. And then he promptly took it back and sent it to Clemson University to pay my tuition. <laughs> so, but I realized, okay, I'm, I can do this, right? And, and then the next summer, we built the same house, except he sold it as a spec home. And we ended up making about 60 grand. And so he took 30 of it for putting up the money in the land. And and, he, and I made $30,000. And when I made $30,000 in the summer, I was like, I'm hooked. I want to be a contractor. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I paid my half of Clemson and I still had money left over. So I went to Clemson very rich. And, you know, by, by Christmas break, I had blown through all that money. I don't know where <laughs> it went, but it was gone. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I, I graduated and kept building and then the recession hit me and 2010 uh, hit me pretty, pretty hard. Um, you know, Charleston where I'm from was a little bit insulated, but by 2010, I mean, building just stopped and um, we, I was losing money. My company had lost 50 grand. I had employees. 
I owed the IRS because I had made money the year before and hadn't paid any taxes, like a responsible entrepreneur. And uh, I owed Home Depot credit card like 15 grand. I owed the IRS like 20 grand. Um, and I, I was in a bad spot. I was trying to renovate my house that I was going to move into and I was in a rental. So I was paying like two mortgages essentially. And it, it got so bad that I would work all day and then at night I would go to Home Depot, grab a couple of those like peep sites, those security, like little, you know, you put in your front door so you can see who's at your front door. Yeah. And I would go knock doors and and say, Hey, I, I can install this for 20 bucks right now if you want it. Um, and I could, if I knocked enough doors, I could sell four or five of those a day and I could make an extra hundred dollars. And I needed a hundred dollars to like keep food on the table and keep my rent paid. And it was a very stressful time for for me and my wife. I had just got married. And I had been this like big shot, you know, making six figures in my early twenties to like scraping by owing so much money at the time. I thought I was never going to crawl out of this debt. And, uh, but it showed me what I was made of. It was like, okay, I can make it no matter what it takes. I'm going to, I'm going to make it through this and I'm going to do whatever it has to take. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep my feet moving. And it, it put metal in my backbone. Um, and so I, I crawled my way out of that, but it taught me, dude, re- recessions are going to come again. Construction is not always going to be good. And you got to be prepared and look at what your dad did. He's got some rental homes. And if you start now, you're going to, you're going to do pretty well probably. And so that sort of was the the seed for my real estate at the, at the time. And so I, I ended up saving five grand and I bought a trailer, um, put somebody, fixed it up, put somebody in it. They didn't pay because I didn't vet them out. And then I, I finally almost gave up at that point, but I got them out. I resold it and I bought another one and then that one worked. And then I bought another rental and I, that one worked. And then eventually I had like six or seven trailers and two rental homes. And I was making a few grand a month in, in passive income. And I'm like, Hey, this is working. And I looked at my, my balance sheet and almost all of my wealth was tied up in that. And I realized, man, I'm, I'm trading all my time for money in this construction company and I'm making a living, but I'm not really building anything of value. And so that's where I was like, I got to go big. You know, I've got to, I, I've got to do bigger things. I want to have a thousand rental homes. And if anybody out there listening has a couple of rental homes, you know, you don't want a thousand rental homes uh, because the, the scalability of that and the headache and the, and, and the, the managerial nightmare that that would be is just not worth it. And I talked to some advisors and mentors and they're like, no, if you want to scale, you, you need to, to look at uh commercial, right? You need to look at apartments, self-storage, mobile home parks, retail, that kind of thing. And so multifamily was the obvious choice to me because I was sort of like familiar with it, right? Like it's, it's kind of like single family, but it's just bigger. So I could, mm-hmm. I could kind of get my head around that. And so I made the decision to to go into multifamily. I'm going to take a break because I just been talking for ten minutes straight. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was great, and I, uh, I appreciate you t- telling that story. And I think there's a there's a ton of like <laughs> value in there and and lessons to people, and and also very uh, funny sort of parallels a lot of what I did. I, I mean, I I started in construction as well, just working as many hours as you could work and (laughs) making, making low hourly wage, but it does help you. um, I think, you know, it plants work ethic. It also teaches you something, especially if you're going to go into real estate and construction and all that, like it teaches you 
what you need to know for a value add strategy or flipping a house or whatever it might be. So, you know, th there are, um, I think certainly benefits to, to putting in the time there and getting kind of that, that experience. And, and then, you know, you went through a recession, which, uh, nobody wants to go through them, but if you're going to be in real estate, it's, it's going to happen. Right. It, and, and not just real estate, if you're going to be, you know, real or uh, recessions can hit any, um, business sector. So it's not just a real estate problem. Um, I think a lot of people think about it from a real estate perspective, but it certainly impacts every uh, industry when we've run through a recession. The What I thought was um, really telling, you know, sort of about your success is how you went through and pushed through when, when times were hard. Uh, you know, you, you told the story of going door to door with the um, the peepholes and installing those for people. And, so, and, and it's just kind of a, a funny um, example, but like, but that's it. That's, that's people that make it as entrepreneurs, investors, that's that, like, you just do whatever it has, you are, whatever you have to do. And back then, I don't think there was Uber. So, you know, I think what, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> I've had other guests well, would, on the show yeah. that are like, I would have oh, been doing uh, that. Exactly. Right. Like there's this like, I mean, there's been times where I've considered it. It's like, uh, well, I could always drive for Uber if I need to make some extra money. So it's it's kind of, um, it's just interesting and I think relevant to hear, for people to hear that, like the people that succeed, they just do whatever they need to do. They don't quit because it gets hard. You know, you figure it out and and then realize that on the other side, things will get better and you'll be, you know, for, sort of stronger for it. So um when you decided to make that shift into commercial and multifamily, what what steps did you take to kind of, you know, sort of shift and and start that journey? Yeah, well, I, I want to comment on something that you said. I appreciate it because it's the ability to work hard, never say die, not quit. It's preached a lot, especially on social media. And I think that it's a, it's a requirement, right? It's basic. It's level one. Okay. If you don't have that, don't even try, but it's not enough. And I think, I feel like a lot of messages stop short where it's like, if you just work hard and you do the right things, you're going to make it, you're going to be rich. You're going to be successful. You're going to achieve your goals. That's not true. It takes, it, it, it takes a vision. It takes skills. It takes value. And you have to be in the right vehicle. Right? It's like, I don't care how badly or how hard you want to get across the Atlantic Ocean. If you're in a, you know, F-150, you ain't making it unless you're on, you know, a shipping container. Uh, but you have to have the right vehicle. And I feel like that's where I started to shift, you know, answering your, your next question here to um, where I wanted to go was, am I in the right vehicle? Am I working hard on the right thing? Working hard is a given. I'm going to do that. You're going to do that. And I, I would imagine most of your listeners, they're investing in themselves and they can work hard. But are you working hard on the right things? And that's where I was like, if I work hard on acquiring more trailers and more single family homes, I'll get to a couple million dollars in net worth, maybe five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month in, in passive income. And that's cool. And that wasn't where I wanted to go, though. You know, um, at this point, we have a $60 million portfolio, you know, and, and we're building generational wealth. That's where I wanted to go. And so to get there, I had to think differently. I had to think differently about the problem, you know, because if you're trying to just like double your output 
or increase your output by 10, 20%. Okay, just work harder, work a little bit more hours, hire one more employee. But if you're trying to go somewhere that's completely different, you may need a, a, a totally different vehicle. And that's where I started to look at apartments and it was very scary, you know, like big down payments, big loans, big problems. But I knew that if I wanted to be compensated the way I wanted to, to, to be compensated and, and make the money I wanted to make and make the impact I wanted to make, I was going to have to be a little bit more courageous and get out of my, my comfort zone. And so I, I just, I like to make that point because I don't want people to think that if I just work hard, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, that's a given. That's, that's step one. But you got to make sure that you're, you're solving the right problem. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And I think, yeah, because because there are lots of people out there working extremely hard, absolutely but aren't growing their wealth. So that's that's a very valuable sort of perspective on it. And and I think, as you said, you need you kind of need all of it, right? You need you need that ability to work hard, the willingness to work hard, but you also need the correct vehicle. You need the education. You probably need some level of mentorship. Like you need the vision to say I, you know, to think bigger, to think, you know a lot of people as you said you know they they want a little bit more and so really what do you do you increase you know your your output by 10 or 20% that's that's understandable that's something that people can kind of be comfortable with oh i'm i'm i am going to drive for uber a little bit to help you know buy my my new house or whatever it is i want to buy a boat and, but but that's not what we're talking about here you're really talking about as you said, you know, generational wealth, inc- impact, that kind of thing. And, and true growth requires a little bit more than just hard work. It has, there's, there's risk associated with it. You have to, as you said, bigger, bigger deals mean bigger deposits, bigger problems. But um, I can't remember exactly who says the quote, but there's that quote about, uh, you know, the bigger, the, the higher the compensation, the more, the bigger the problem you need to solve that kind of thing. So it, it's a, it's really a great point to, to bring up here and sort of point that in, in that progression of growth within a business or investing or whatever, at some point you are going to have to kind of be uncomfortable and, and push beyond, you know, kind of whatever those self-imposed limits are, uh, limiting beliefs, whatever you may have, you've got to get past them. So that's a great point. And that's why when you hear successful people talk, a lot of times they are talking about mindset and the books they're reading, getting around different circles, getting around different mentors. Uh, you can't think outside of your own box, right? If you could, you, you, you there would be no box. Yeah. And so you, you've got to invest in, in your mindset. And I know it sounds like a broken record because a lot of people are talking about that. I mean, my podcast is focused on that. Your podcast is focused on that because we know it's the key. Right, it is. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important. Um, the tactics, the the work ethic, all of that is is worthless without that that growth. Um, if you never believe, if your brain thinks a, a problem is impossible to solve, it will not even try. It just shuts off. Right. Like yeah. let's say I say, hey, I, I want to buy a four million dollar apartment complex. Okay, down payment's a million bucks. I don't have a million bucks. Boom, your brain's already moving on to something else that you can solve, and. When you dig into that and say, well, am I asking the right question? Do I have a million dollars? That's not the right question. It's like, well, how could I do this without a million dollars? Who has a million dollars? Could this work? How do other people are, are doing this? Getting curious about these things and 
being like, I don't have it all figured out yet, but I'm going to take the next step and that's going to shed light on the next step. And I'm eventually I'm going to get to where I, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It, it's, it's the, the question of not, you know, it's, it's not saying I can't afford this. It's how can I afford this or how, you know, I can't make this happen is how can I make this happen? And and it is uh, very much just a different, a different mindset and, and being around other people that have already done it or are sort of making those same shifts, I think is, is incredibly important. I was sitting at a um, poker table the other night, like in a buddy's garage, just like a neighborhood thing. And one of the guys there was talking about cars, you know, and, um, and he, he was saying, do I like Ferrari or Lamborghini or which one do I like better? And, and I was like, well, which, what, what do you want? Like, what would be your dream car? And he said, ah, you know, I haven't even thought about it because it's just such a pipe dream. Like that's, that's never going to happen. Right. And this is a guy who, you know, wife works very, very successful. He works very, very successful. And yet he's just shut that piece of his brain off like that. That's never going to happen. It's never going to be a possibility. You know what it is. It's, it's, it is never going to happen. And I hate to say that, but it's like, it starts with thinking, how could I do that? If I really want to do that, what's my, why do I really want that? And if I do, how can I make that happen instead of just, I don't deserve that. I could never make that happen. That's a pipe dream. You know, I've got a private jet back here. I'm way far away from owning or affording a private jet, you know? Uh, and I don't know that I'll ever do it because right now it's really hard for me to believe that that's even a possibility, right. but I want to keep that in the back of my mind. Like it's, yeah. it's there and maybe it could happen. <laughs> you know, I'm trying, I mean, we're all growing at some state. Right. Yeah. No, that, my, uh, <laughs> It's funny you mentioned the jet. My biggest thing, my the biggest material thing that I want is to be able to fly private. I just I hate commercial flying. I just it like makes me crazy. I hate the 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 delays, the 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 being crammed in. Whether even if you sit in first class, whatever it is, like I just think it's just a super inefficient way of travel. Uh, but it's kind of all that's available and to to the general public and that's, and the airlines know that. And so they can do kind of whatever they want. So it's, uh, I don't, I don't want to own one. I think that's a, that's probably beyond. I just want to be able to say, I, you know, I fly, if I'm going to take my family on vacation, like we're going to fly private on this because so we have <laughs> complete control over, you know, sort of when we leave, when we get there, you're not crowded on the plane, but it's, it's, it's having those, the ability to think that you can do that and to get to that level. And it's like, you know, I think that's the, what, you know, love them or hate them. I think one of the things, the big messages with, with Grant Cardone is that sort of that 10 X mentality where it's, it's just a matter of, you know, if you're simply putting a zero on something, putting another zero on something, right. You're like talking about your example of, well, I need a million dollars to buy this $4 million apartment complex. And he would tell you, we'll solve the problem for, I need $10 million to buy a $40 million apartment complex. And it's, it's just kind of, it's adding a zero. And so as you, as you move through that, um, progression in your, in your, life and, and entrepreneurial goals, it is just looking at it. Okay. What, you know, what is that next step? How do I, how do I think a little bit bigger than I, you don't, you don't probably want to go from 1 million to a hundred million, right? You have, there's our, there are steps, but you do need to allow yourself to think bigger and to continue to push yourself forward. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
thought auditing, right? Like when, when you say I want to fly private and then you audit the thoughts around that, well, oh my gosh, it's $50,000 to, to fly, you know, f- f- private one, one way. Or if I bought this membership, it would cost me two or $300,000 a year or what, whatever it is. And all these things, what are those thoughts? Writing them down and auditing. How, how is that making me feel? What is the emotion I'm having? That's, that's holding me back from that. And how can I change those thoughts around it? Like, just like you were saying, uh, how can I do this? What would it look like? You know, what kind of income would I need to make to, to make it reasonable for me to drop 50 grand to fly my family to Hawaii? You know, like, so most people there, you're a stop right there. Like that is ridiculous. <laughs> that's <enough>. you know? <laughs> yep. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but they make them for somebody. Somebody's right. flying in them. You yeah, know? it's it's happening, right? It's ha- and and it's like and I mean for sure, like that, like there have definitely been times where, I mean, I have two kids now, and it's like there have been times where I would have thought we can't go to Hawaii because we have to buy four tickets. Like it's just mm-hmm. you know, so, so right. I get, I get that. I get. I've been, I've been at the point where it's like, can I put gas in my car? Because like that kind of. I mean, I've been there, and it's it's hard to shift to the way you look at it. Right. It's like, you know, you, you, you might, when you're younger, you might, it might be a struggle to put gas in the car and then, and then it's might become something you don't think about, but you're thinking about a different car or what, you know what I mean? It, it, it does. It's just kind of a step up progression, but it's allowing yourself to think about those things not just as dreams is, as you said, as auditing your thoughts as to how do I get to those, you know, how, how do I create the vision and the plan to execute that vision and get there and, and, and have, you know, kind of the life that I, that I want to have. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and it starts with, for me, it, it was, um, I bought it. I just bought a course about a thousand dollar online course about multifamily and went through it. And I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have a network. I, I wasn't surrounding myself with anybody. I was trying to make progress where I was. But at the time, I mean, that was a huge purchase for me. Um, I mean, they they kind of suckered me into it. It was a click funnels funnel. And they were like, well, just buy the the analyzer for a hundred bucks. It's like, all right. And then they're like, hey, if you buy the whole course within 90 minutes, we'll credit the hundred dollars towards the course. And I was like, all right. And then I did it. And it was a great decision. Um, but I sat on that course for two years, you know, I went through the videos, I I consumed it for sure, but I didn't execute because I didn't have the mentoring, I didn't have the groups, I didn't have the ability um, to to get out of my own way. I I would yeah. I would just say I, I just didn't see it as possible, but I was trying, and I was I was I was putting together pitch decks, I was trying to raise some money, I was looking for deals, and eventually something came up, and I found a twelve unit online on listed on Crexy. Uh, it was in North Carolina. And they only wanted like $250,000 for it. And I thought, oh man, this thing's got to be a disaster. So, and the financials were a disaster. They were losing money. Um, but I went up there and it looked good. And it was in decent condition. It was full, not a bad tenant base, very, very low rents, like $400 a month. And, um, and so I asked the seller, I said, listen, your, your property is great. It's fine. It's good. But it doesn't qualify for debt because your financials are bad. You're losing money. So it's not that I can't qualify for a loan, which was probably the truth. But I was like, but you know, your property doesn't qualify. So would you would you owner finance me? He said, yeah, I'll, I'll owner finance you if you put down 70% or 30%. I'll finance you 70%. 
you have skin in the game. And if I take it back, I still have a good basis in it. So I was like, cool. Now I got 70% of the money taken care of, but I still needed about 90 grand for the down payment and a little bit of carrying costs. And so I went out and, you know, people told me no. And, but somebody told me, yes, I'll do the deal. And we split it 60, 40. I got 60%. He got 40%. And we went in there. We added utility bill back. We raised rents a little bit, 20 bucks. Um, They were paying for trash for for their city taxes and they had a dumpster. So I eliminated the dumpster and just got the trash cans because they were double paying for trash. I got rid of the manager who was charging for every little thing and got a good local manager at like 8%. And all of a sudden this thing was making money Um, and my plan worked. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe I, maybe I can do this. And uh, 18 months later, we ended up selling that property for $415,000. And so the investor made like 50% IRR, got his money back. I made almost a hundred grand or right at a hundred thousand dollars. And it was like, dude, I just got a year's salary in one, you know, deal. And by this point, you know, or 18 months later, I had now closed a couple hundred units. I kept on going. And, and, but that 12 unit was the catalyst to be like, okay, I can do a 19 unit. Okay. I can do a 63 unit. Okay. I can do a hundred unit. Okay. I can do, I mean, we closed a 208 unit out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and talk about solving a problem. I mean, this thing was half empty and then half of the tenant base wasn't paying, very distressed, needed two and a half million dollars worth of renovations. But and it, we were trying to close it right in the height of COVID. It was like June 2020, right? When everything was going nuts. Bank pulled the loan three weeks before closing. We were about to lose $100,000 of earnest money. But that's where that metal kicked in. And we're like, look, let's talk to the next bank. Let's talk to the next bank. Let's keep going. We fell out of contract. Sellers threatening to sue us to get our EMD. We finally got another loan lined up. And then the seller's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll sell to you because you got the loan. And all in for $8 million. And now we're selling it for $14.1 million. So it's like, holy crap, home run. You know, it's a two and a half year cycle, but still I'm solving bigger problems now. Um, But it started with, all right, let me just buy this course. Let me just find my first deal. All right, let me close this 12 year. Let me raise 90 grand, you know, because for that big deal, I mean, we were raising almost $3 million. So that's a big jump but we didn't start there right it, it's a gradual progression to, to getting there and i think that's smart because you can get in a lot of trouble um by being too focused on the mindset and the growth and growth for growth's sake and making mistakes and i think that that that, that seared into my head the recession really helped me be very cautious with scaling my portfolio and so far you know knock on wood we, we've we've done we've done really well even with the tumultuous times um we're not taking on short-term bridge debt. We're not on floating rates. You know, we've bought at a very low cost basis. We've only bought value-add stuff where there's a real problem to solve. And that has served us very well. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, in, in a really short time, you highlighted a, a lot of important things about, especially in this market and probably having been through the previous recession, you know, that stuff is uh, just a, a part of you, but, you know, uh, fixed rate debt, um, you know, value add where, where you can actually, uh, it's not, you're not necessarily relying on the market to increase the value of your asset. You're relying on, uh, your business plan, your, um, execution, you have a lot more control there. So I think all of those are, are really great points and it, and it, and it goes to show you, you know, you can, 
you can be successful despite the sort of market cycles. And, and in fact, you can potentially use those market cycles to be um <laughs> to create success. The the you know the fact that you close that in um you know early early COVID days in the, in the middle of 2020, you know, there's a lot of people that just stopped, stopped uh transacting during that time obviously the banks I, I wanted to stop i wanted yeah. to walk away from that deal yeah and i and i had a mentor and i called i was like dude the bank pulled our loan like like i just don't know it just doesn't seem like things are lining up uh, you know he's like well is it a good deal I said yeah it's it's a good deal it's like then close it <laughs> it's like all right yeah. yeah he's right and and I, and we kept going <laughs> yeah yeah well and 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 that was the right decision right obviously you know and a lot of people stopped during you know especially at the beginning of covid and then we had you know a tremendous run up in prices sort of over those next couple of years so a lot of people that didn't stop made a lot of money in a short period of time and were very very successful with their their strategies so um i mean i think it's again it's it's, it's there's a lot of lessons there you know people can look at uh look at situations and and find a reason not to do things but in reality, if you if your sort of approach to it is I'm going to I'm going to execute despite the situations that I encounter the, the troubles I'm gonna I'm gonna um, take advantage when times are good and I'm gonna you know push through and learn lessons when times aren't as good and and just you know that that's how you create and and maintain uh, successful business and and uh, real estate investment portfolio. I think that that's a, a great example of all that. Yeah, I mean, contrarian is the way to go, right? And you think about in our in our circles, what is the common thing that everyone kind of agrees on, right? At least for in my circles, that everyone is, is agreeing on, this is probably what's going to happen. That's probably wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, you know, like, I'm waiting. I'm sitting on cash. There's, there's, we're about to fall off a cliff. There's going to be a lot of deals coming. There's going to be blood in the streets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, okay, maybe we don't, nobody has a crystal ball, but I could have said the same thing in January, February, March of 2020 when everything, when the world was going to hell and, and 3% of the population is going to die. That's, that's the, the headline I remember. So you're talking 9 million people in America are going to die. Like, it, it, and it never happened. And the people that had the guts to continue to buy good deals did really, really well. And I think that's what's going to happen right now because sellers are, I'm not saying this stuff is cheap right now, but they're a little bit more reasonable. They're a little bit more reasonable with some seller financing, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And if you have a deal that will pencil at six and a half, seven percent interest rate, the Fed, the, the Fed will lower the rates. The, the rates will come down. I don't know when that's going to be. If it's going to be in 12 months, six months, 24 months, but I'm playing a long game and I'm going to keep buying good properties that cash flow at today's rents at today's market. And if they do that, then I'm in the position to get lucky, right? Cause I get lucky when all of a sudden rents do start increasing when rates start falling off. Yeah. Right. And so when the herd is buying, right. 2021, 2022, you know, like, Hey, I mean, they bought at the, the peak of the market and it'll probably be okay, but it's going to take a long time. But that's one of the main reasons I don't think we're about to fall off the cliff is because like 60 something percent of people are locked into a 30 year mortgage at less than 4%, right? right. Where, where are they going to go? 
Like yeah. they're going to sell their house and go move into an apartment that's more than their mortgage payment. I, I I don't see we're kind of in gridlock right now, but people don't, they have options, right? I could just keep paying my cheap mortgage and stay right where I'm at. I'm not about to lose my house. Like I was in 2007, eight, which is sort yeah. of like we have this PTSD um, yeah. and, and pessimists sound smart, optimists get rich. So I'm, I'm going to be optimistic cautiously and make the best decisions I can in the current markets because the rates will come down and I'm going to look like a genius if I keep buying good deals. Yeah. I, the, uh, great point. I mean, really it's true. It's, it's just kind of, you, you know, you, you're not suggesting that the idea here that we're talking about is not that you should go out and be reckless and just keep doing stuff despite the market. The idea is you should always maintain your fundamentals. And at the times when we might be in a dark a market down cycle, then there's less competition. Maybe the pricing is a little bit better in your favor as a buyer. Like, like when everybody was buying in in 2021, we were all like having to <laughs> push our expectations, and and the underwriting got less conservative. I would say, and so it's just kind of like you you have to you just keep going, and 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 you know a lot of success comes out of you know, market down cycles where people are uh, like stuff, just continuing to to do good deals. And, and, you know, if it makes, if the fundamentals make sense, then you'll be, you'll be in good shape. So um, I think with that, I'm going to switch gears here and, and ask you the questions that I ask every guest Jennings. And the first one is of course, based on the name of the show, um, I was asked, ask every guest, what is your why? What, what drives you at this point? And I, I think uh, I've learned both from personal experience, but just from from all the guests I've interviewed, that the that the the why often is evolving over time. So, what is your why? Yeah, I my why is fulfilling my potential. You no, know, I mean my my podcast is unlock your life, and I believe that God's put us all on earth to to accomplish a purpose, accomplish a mission. We're not here to uh, float along, live an easy, comfortable life, make enough money to pay our bills, like, and, and exist. I don't want that, right? So, so my why is to live in the potential to to what God has called me to do, and you know, making money through multifamily. That's great. I love it. It's fun, um, but it it allows me to invest in my children, right? To show them what's possible. It it allows me to grow right? To get out of my comfort zone and do things that uh, are, are maybe uncomfortable, but they're, but they eventually are fun and, and very rewarding. Um, you know, we, we run the deal room, our mentoring program, and I get to see people close deals. I see people quit their jobs. I see people that were slaves to something that they hated doing now have autonomy and freedom, right? That's a big piece of, of my wise autonomy and freedom, because even though I really never worked for somebody except for that one year. Like I always had my own company. I didn't have autonomy. I didn't have freedom. My clients were my boss, right? Especially a custom home client. You know, if that, if you lost a $600,000, $800,000 contract, like right as you're about to break ground, like, I mean, there goes your whole year. So I was very much a slave to, to them, their wishes, their desires, whether they were happy with me, whether they liked me, I hated that feeling. And I was also like tied up, tied to my phone, 
subcontractors, insurance vendors, uh, employees, clients, billing, all that stuff. And so, yes, I work now, um, but I have autonomy, right? I, I don't have to report to somebody. I don't have to please somebody. You know, I can, I can make my own path. And we all have people that like, I, I got, I've got investors in my deals. I've got lenders and I, and I got to make them happy, but all I got to do is just pay them to make them happy. <laughs> That's right. pretty simple, you know? Right. So um, I, I think that my why is, is fulfilling my potential um, and showing people how to, to do that as well um, and, and seeing their personal growth. And then the autonomy in my life is, is great, but I'm not happy if I'm not making progress. And I know that about myself. So I can, I want to continue to make measured, steady progress um, and, and retain that autonomy. Yeah. I love it. Um, tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge, special skill, hobby, anything you're, you're comfortable sharing just to let listeners know you better. Oh, um, about me. That's not common knowledge. Um, I would say I was homeschooled as a kid. I don't really tell a lot of people that. Um, so, but yeah, from fifth grade to about 10th grade, I was um, in a, in a homeschooling um, environment and, you know, there were a lot of good things about that. Some things I didn't like, but, but a lot of, a lot of good. And I think it taught me to, to be curious, right. And, and how to learn and how to solve problems and to wonder why things work. Why, why do businesses work? Why do people behave the, the way that they do? And a lot of interaction, you know, with my, with my parents. So that's something that I, I would say most people don't know about me. I wonder if that, I, I, I don't know if anybody's done this study or looked at the data, but I wonder if homeschooling has anything, any correlation to entrepreneurship in the, in the sense that, you know, you, I mean, I wasn't homeschooled, so I don't know, but I think, you know, some of that autonomy you talk, spoke about in your career path now it is maybe related to having that some level of autonomy as a, even as a child in, in schooling in the sense that, you know, you're not going to be at a certain space, certain place at a certain time and, and, you know, sort of go through these classes, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I just more of a, a I think curiosity thing. I think it may, but I think it probably has to do with the parents, right? Because, you know, they're going to march to the beat of a different drum. They're going to do something different. This isn't the way, I mean, the, the masses go to public school and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I mean, my, my kids go to uh, our Christian school, private school at our church, but, um, and it's, it's not for everybody, but I think that the, the parental influence, right. I was with my parents a good bit. Um, it, is is very influential and so my dad always had that entrepreneurial bend and he got into real estate and i want to model that for my children you know to because i think everybody has the i mean nobody's dream is to go work for mcdonald's until they're 60 years old you know for 10 bucks an hour like there's nobody's right. dream everybody would be like yeah i'd love to have passive income coming in I'd love to have all these investments. I'd love to have autonomy, do whatever I want, go on vacation, whatever I want, et cetera, et cetera. Who doesn't want that? Right. Um, but understanding what it takes to get there and willing to do the work is, is a whole nother story, but you gotta have somebody in your life 
that is modeling that because you have to have borrowed belief, right? You may not be able to believe that about yourself and you may not have that, have had that model to you by your parents, but there are circles that can model that for you. And right. And I outgrew some of my, you know, my dad and, and, and his teaching as we all do as children growing up. And I got into other circles and I got into high level entrepreneur groups and I saw, whoa, you think you're doing big things? Like, look at these guys, like, look at what they're doing. And it just stretches your imagination and mind of what's possible to see. He's no smarter than me. He works no harder than me. And he has built this, you know, incredible thing. I can too. So I, I think that that if, you, if your parents are entrepreneurial, it definitely gives you a leg up because you were you were brought up in that. And if they weren't, you got to get around that as soon as you can. Yeah, no, it's, it's great advice. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best the best way? Best way, I mean, just DM me on on socials. Um, you know, you can find me Jennings Smith Jr. Jennings Smith Jr. That's my website. Um, my socials are linked there. Uh, if you search for me on Facebook, Jennings Smith, Jennings Foster Smith. Um, I'm on Instagram, and I do. I reply to to DMs. I, I talk to people, ask you what what they got going on. Um, I'll give you a copy of my free underwriter analyzer, how to use it, um, get you going if you're interested in multifamily to just explore that, right? And if it's something that you want to take more seriously, then we can chat further. But it's it's uh it's it's pretty easy to to get a hold of me. Uh, if you shoot me a DM, I'll 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 connect with you. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, final question for you, Jennings. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is getting started? They want to hear this. They want to or to model after you and, and follow in your footsteps, what would you tell them? Hmm. I would say I, I get a lot of people that, that reach out to me and they see something that um, is flashy, right? And I think this is why a lot of these posts get a lot of traction. You know, people post on Lamborghinis or yachts or private jets or whatever. They're like, oh, dude, I want that. Teach me. Um, but the way that you get there is through making yourself more valuable, right? And so to make yourself more valuable, it, it isn't just mindset. It's tangible skills, right? It's like, if you want to go into the field that I'm in, okay, well, what do you know about real estate? What do you know about underwriting? Are you willing to cold call brokers? Are you willing to put together pitch decks? Are you willing to have meetings with investors and ask them to give you $100,000? Like, are you willing to do that kind of stuff? Are you willing to make yourself a valuable person so that when the opportunity strikes, you're the guy, right? You're connected to loan sponsors. You're collected to capital. You have deal flow. You know how to asset manage. You know how to underwrite. You know how to tell if stuff's a crappy deal or a good deal, right? That's who people want on their team. That's who gets equity. That's who gets wealthy versus I want the Lamborghini. I want the yacht. I want a million dollars. Okay, whatever. So does everybody else. That is of no use to me. I don't care about your dreams and what you want. How valuable are you and how much time and effort and energy are you going to get put into getting better? Yeah, that's great advice. It, it, you, have to, you have to bring something to the table. You have to be able to, you know, sort of, and because also aside from just creating value and, and providing value to someone who might mentor you or, or, or let you work with them, you, 
you're making that commitment to yourself, I think, in the sense that, okay, what what do I bring to the table here? And if I don't have anything yet, which everybody probably does if you really think about it, but, but what can I, what skill can I get? What am I willing to do those cold calls? Like you said, like, what can I decide to add to my skill set to be, to be of value? Well, and I think people don't understand that with, with a lot of, of mentoring programs and coaching, it's like, well, why isn't it free? Like what I'll work for you for free, or I'll do this or I'll do that. Why don't you just partner with me? It, I partner with people because they're bringing value to my life. If they can't bring value to my life in the field that they want to be in and that I'm in, then they can bring value into my life by paying me money. I'm sorry to be blunt, but that's just the way it goes. They've extracted value from something that they're doing, trading their time for dollars, and they're transferring that value to me. Therefore, we pour value into them. And eventually, you know, partnerships get formed, deals get done because they've become more valuable. And so if you're if you're not there and you don't have skills and you're asking for somebody to you know, to mentor you, to coach you and whatever, and you really can't add anything to them. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very difficult to find that. I mean, I I was in a mentoring program and it was uh, $35,000 a year. And I was like just getting started and getting rolling with apartments. And I'm telling you, like, when I talked to that guy, I did not want to give him 35 grand. I didn't want to join that group. I didn't want to be a part of that, but I did. I saw what they were doing and I saw the value and I saw 30 something other millionaires that I could plug into and I could learn from this dude. And so I pulled the trigger. And when I wired in that money, I mean, no kidding. I probably had like 10, 15 grand left in my bank account after I did that. It wasn't like, Oh yeah, you, you had a million bucks, 35 grand. What? No, it was like 75% (laughs) of my liquidity. Yeah. It was a big freaking deal. It's same. It was his, it was it was a big a deal as putting that thousand dollars down for the course, right? It felt the same. It was just a, it was another level. And yet that guy has helped literally helped me make millions of dollars. Yeah. And so it it's, but I was willing to pull the trigger and bring value to his life so that I could reciprocate. And most people, they've, they've got that closed fist mindset of like, Hey, you know, everything should be, should be free and, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine. You can think that way. <laughs> see how, see how it turns out for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a willingness to invest in yourself. And and I think that the, the, the mentorship programs, when, when you don't have the skills, when you don't have something that you're really bringing to the table for them, that is it, that you're, you're sort of paying to that that's the value that you're bringing. And then that allows you, it's, it's just investing in yourself, your education and, and having that, that mentorship. And, and it's, it's funny because a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people go to college. That's fine. There's, I'm not, not against it. I went to a lot of college, but the, the point is like people go to college with no, no regard for what it costs in a lot of instances. And they're just, yeah, here, here's my, I'll take those student loans or I'll do that. And it's like, even even the mentorship of $35,000 like that's that's the value that you got there you know in sort of allowing you to make millions of dollars within real estate is probably far greater than almost any college degree that you could get you know f- similarly cost maybe but uh, I, I think it's just it's just it's shifting that mindset and being willing to to invest in yourself in in some way oh yeah i mean I love Clemson, go Tigers, but I mean, I learned how to like, 
you know, use Microsoft Word, Excel, and I could write it. I can write a paper. Um, but that was it. I mean, I was a business major. Um, I have general, you know, business, and I, I can't say that anything translated. And I paid a hundred grand, you know, and that's cheap now, you know. Right. Um, it's it's right. probably doubled right. now. The costs have gone up so much, yeah. But yeah, it's um, but it, it, it isn't fair. And I think people that focus on like wanting it to be fair or focusing on, oh, well, you know, President Biden is is holding me back or Trump is going to save me or these policies or that. And, and, and the news, it, it's like none of that matters. You, know, you, you have to focus on your microcosm. How can I push my goal forward today? How can I plug into those circles? If I got to pay to get in those circles, then I'm going to pay, even though it's maybe not fair. I don't care. I'd rather be successful than try to make the world fair. You know, I'm going to, to, to do what works. It's like, that's why country clubs exist. That's why private schools exist. That's why colleges exist. It's because it's pay to play. Um, and if you don't have a lot of value, you're bringing to the equation, then you're probably going to have to pay. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, Jennings, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate your time coming on and sharing your story. I think um, really a, a lot of great value there for people listening. So thank you so much for your time uh, and for sharing your story. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, Jason, it was a great time. Appreciate you. Yeah. And folks listening, uh, I know you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Please like, rate, and review the show so we can continue to get more great guests like Jennings. Thank you all for listening. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.